praise, praise the sun, the moon, the stars. Praise the ant, the tree and the shining leaf. Praise every child, large and small. Praise the one within us all. Praise the swimmers, crawlers, creepers. Praise the flower and the winding weed. Praise every blade of grass and every dewdrop. Praise dark, moist earth. Praise rock, sand, shoal. Praise wind, nature's breath. Praise those with fur, fin, finger. Praise the winged ones, the tiny ones, and all the ones that live unseen. Praise brightest morning and darkest night. Praise the prickly and unpopular. Praise the crow's cry and the beggar's sigh. Praise the dancers, the doers and dreamers. Praise those that give, those who love and those who heal. Praise to wanderers, seekers, weavers. Praise sounds of thunder and crushing waves and shouts for justice. Praise silence, praise spirit, praise all colours, praise all acts of compassion, praise all, praise all, praise all. So good morning everybody and welcome, welcome to Essex Church and to this our gathered community of the spirit, Kensington Unitarians. We started today's service with Kathy Huff's words of praise for our world. And I wonder if any of her lines spoke to you this morning. I always like the one about praising the prickly and the unpopular. <laughs> Together, we'll be exploring today how amazing life on earth is and what it means to be made of matter, to be of this material world, to be physical to be made of the earth and of the stars, part of the great cosmos, of the infinite universe itself. But please don't be put off if life feels more dreadful than amazing for you this morning. There's space for everyone and everything here. Whoever you are, however you're feeling, whatever is going on in your life and wherever you are heading, we're just spending this hour together in words and silence, music, ideas. We're creating community together here in the midst of busy London. And our chalice flame is burning brightly and it's connecting us with Unitarians the world over and reminding us once more, because we do keep needing to remind ourselves that we are one people sharing one life on one beautiful planet Earth home. How then shall we live? 
And that takes us suitably into a time of reflection and prayer. Let's settle ourselves up. Whatever works for you, aligning yourself with that which you hold to be of greatest worth. Still ourselves, even in the midst of turbulent times. As I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here this day. And we pray, even though many of us are unsure who or what we pray to, yet we know the value of going deeper and of opening ourselves to the source of all that is within us and beyond us. We know the value of expressing our gratitude for life itself and for the unique creatures that we are. So may we learn to care well for all that is. And I'd ask the question, can we, can we care for ourselves a little better in the week ahead? Can we care for our relationships a little more this week? Our neighbours and friends, families and co-workers, even those who challenge us and the prickly and the unpopular, can we care and appreciate them a little more? Are there aspects of our living that could do with a caring touch? Something needing mending or clearing or sorting in some way? Can we seek help? Can we reach out for support if that would make a task easier? And let us consider our wider world. The political uncertainties here in our own country as, as well as the troubles in other lands. We might think particularly this day of the Kurds and others caught in the troubles of northern Syria. People who long for a homeland people caught in warfare or living within repressive regimes. People needing health care when there is little to be had. May all who are in need find some practical support this day. And in these few moments of shared stillness, let us direct the prayers of our hearts to places that concern us. And may we be guided by love 
to know ways to assist one another and ourselves this day and all days. Amen. Don't you like it when people give you a poem that they really like and it's one you've never read before? Well, that's, that's, that's happened to me this week. Um, we're going to have two people uh, reading poems of love for our world. See what you think. This is a poem called Tiger by A.D. Hope. I came across it in this little book a few years ago. 101 Poems That Could Save Your Life. Uh, it's a great book. There's probably a lot more in there that would appeal to you. Um, I don't know much about A.D. Hope. He's a, a, an Australian gentleman, I understand, and I don't know what else he has written. Strangely, I haven't pursued it, but I think, actually, I, I ought to. I've always felt it was a poem perhaps directed towards younger people, but there's a lot more in it than that. Um, so I'll read it to you now. The paper tigers roar at noon. The sun is hot, the sun is high. They roar in chorus, not in tune, their plaintive, savage hunting cry. Oh, when you hear them, stop your ears and clench your lids and bite your tongue. The harmless paper tiger bears strong fascination for the young. His forest is a busy street. His dens the forum and the mart. He drinks no blood, he tastes no meat. He riddles and corrupts the heart. But when the dusk begins to creep, from tree to tree, from door to door, the jungle tiger wakes from sleep and utters his authentic roar. It bursts the night and shakes the stars till one breaks blazing from the sky. Then listen, if to meet it soars your heart's reverberating cry. My child, then put aside your fear, unbar the door and walk outside. The real tiger awaits you there, his golden eyes shall be your guide. And should he spare you in his wrath, the world and all the worlds are yours. And should he leap the jungle path and clasp you with his bloody jaws, then say, as his divine embrace destroys the mortal part of you, I too am of that royal race who, was, who do what we are born to do. Thank you. The second poem is a favorite of Sarah's, um, I'm going, but I'm reading it for the first time. This is Pied Beauty by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Glory be to God for dappled things, for skies of couple color as a brinded cow, for rose moles all in stipple upon trout that swim, fresh fire-cold chestnut falls, finches' wings, Landscape plotted and pieced, fold, fallow, and plough, and all trades, their gear and tackle and trim. All things counter, original, spare, strange, whatever is fickle, freckled, who knows how, with swift, slow, sweet, sour, a dazzle, dim. He fathers forth whose beauty is past change. Praise him.
This is an extract from Kathy Galloway's uh, Essex Hall Lecture, The Integrity of Creation, from the Unitarian General Assembly meetings in 1996. Kathy Galloway is a member of the Iona community. I'm annoyed when I hear people say that we have got to get away from materialism and back and get back to spiritual values. The two are one. The problem is not that we're too materialistic. The problem is that we are not materialistic enough. We do not love things enough. We do not love bodies enough. We do not love the ordinary enough. For their own sakes, for their intrinsic worth, not for their extrinsic utility. We need to love the stoneness of stone, the wateriness of water, the fleshiness of flesh, and the bloodiness of blood. But spiritual and material ideologies of extrinsic worth feed on profound motivations of fear, on the avoidance of struggle, on the denial of pain, on the imprisonment of the imagination. These grow fat on the manipulation of alienated desire, drag people out of the dance of life, which flows between a healthy self-love and a delighted other love, and step in to fill the void. These substitute the narcotic effects of addictive lust for real loving materialism. We take care of what we value. If we don't take care of it to the best of our ability, it means that Whatever we profess, we don't really value it. As people of faith, our conviction of the intrinsic worth of creation flows from our conviction about the value of the Creator, about the goodness of God, who has created it, redeemed it, and sustains it. As part of that creation, we know ourselves also to be valuable and valued. Not perfect, not flawless, but precious and loved as we are. So you might like to um, put down any books and um, sit up straight, both feet on the floor and trying to sit in a way that encourages alertness and awareness and just soften and relax into your body so perhaps you'd like to lift up the shoulders roll them back and down and again lift up the shoulders roll them back and down and then squeeze the shoulders tight up to the ears, hold them there, and then with a big sigh, let go. So, ah, jolly good. 
So let's take a nice deep breath in, breathing in and filling the lungs from the bottom up to the top and a long, slow exhalation. <coughs> Good. And one more. A deep breath in, filling the lungs, filling, filling, filling. Then hold when you're full. Just hold it. And then open the mouth and really sigh it all out, all that stress and tension that maybe you're holding. So I'd like you now to think of a time when you were really happy. You could have been with friends or family, perhaps in a place that you love, perhaps you were on your own somewhere, by a beach, by the sea, Maybe even this morning, when you got up, if you're one of those people who are blessed and feeling really happy in the morning. So just try and, in your mind, just focus on that event and try to recapture how you felt then. then just drop any association with the event and just focus on the feeling feeling of well-being, feeling of happiness, feeling good about yourself just let it fill your body You might like to say some Buddhist affirmations to yourself. These are ones I use regularly. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. May I live life with ease. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. May I live life with ease. So hopefully you've managed to feel a sense of happiness and well-being and good about yourself and just feel where it is in your body perhaps it's in your heart, in your belly, I don't know, all over maybe focus on where you can feel it and then just expand it outwards, expand it out into the room expand that feeling of well-being to everybody here We can change the affirmation now to we. May we be well. May we be happy. May we be free from suffering. 
May we live life with ease. And possibly even extending out further beyond the room into the city, the whole world if you like, if you feel, if you, feel you wish to do that. May we all be well. May we all be happy. May we all be free from suffering. May we all live life with ease. So let's just sit quietly in silence until the sound of our bell. Every, um, every August there is a summer school held in the Unitarian Conference Centre called the Nightingale Centre in Great Hucklow up in the Peak District and each summer school has a theme and this year there were seven or eight of us and a fair few of us here today who were at Hucklow um, in the summer so if you've never been there find somebody who knows about it because I think you might be tempted to go sometime. And we were there along with about 50 or more other people exploring the theme, theology in the flesh. Theology in the flesh. How might our embodied experience shape our answers to life's ultimate questions? I don't think we got to the end of that topic in truth in the week, but do you know, we made a start and we all agreed it was a great topic. What does it mean? What does it mean to... To, to have a body, to be a body, to be physical and to, oh, to have to deal with all that this embodiedness of ours brings us. Our identities, our ways of relating with one another, our, our ways of connecting the, the physical and the spiritual in our living, in our being. And we acknowledge that some religious paths, including the Christianity in which we Unitarians have our roots, some religions have seemingly viewed the body as inferior, as, as problematic with all our urges and our longings, something to be tamed and subdued, to be judged and controlled. Well, we could spend the rest of, well, I was going to say the rest of our, the day, we could spend the rest of our lives exploring all of this. And some of you know far more about it than I do. But let's, let's take as our starting point the problems that, that arise when we separate. It seems to be a regular theme here these days, this, this problem of separation. Separating the material world and the spiritual realm and then holding the material to be in some way inferior, lesser than. 
Now we know the, the self-flagellation of some extreme forms of monasticism. There's a scene in a, a Monty Python film, I think it must have been that, the one about the Holy Grail, but you know, it's a much beating of oneself up and expressing of a, oh, oh woe is me, oh miserable sinner. Um, and and it, it's, it, that is the extreme, but haven't many of us had to work through confusions about how best to care for ourselves in a loving manner and others in life, how truly to honour our bodies, our physical beings, and, and then our ambivalent attitudes to our bodies are matched by our attitudes to all the material world, which is what Cathy Galloway was expressing so well, I think, in that piece Mark read for us earlier. And there's a, there's a quote on the front of today's order of service, which is just worth returning to. Um, I mean, and it's interesting that she was writing this in 1996. So, 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 you know, these, these messages come back to us, don't they? I'm annoyed when I hear people say we have to get away from materialism, back to spiritual values, the two are one. The problem is, is not that we're too materialistic, the problem is that we're not materialistic enough. We've got to love things for their own sake. We need to love the stoneness of stone and the bloodiness of blood. Marvellous, marvellous stuff. And what is this thing called matter? I failed to check how many physics degrees we've got in the room today. <laughs> I regularly uh, go back to that time I spoke about string theory and there, were, there was a physics professor and two PhDs in the room. It wasn't my finest hour. I did make an effort to, to do some research into uh, to what matter is, but I could tell I was getting out of my depth. Um, but school science lessons taught me that matter is anything that has mass and takes up space by having volume. So that's all of you lot, and me, and the piano, and a few other things here. Um, but you'll need more than school science, won't you, to, to delve into the more exciting areas of dark matter, antimatter, exotic matter, strange matter, all available to you on Wikipedia this afternoon. <laughs> so I'll stick with matter being everything with building blocks of atoms and particles, with, with objects like our chairs and these candles and the concrete of this building in which we sit, all seemingly static and firm, yet actually vibrating and moving at that subatomic level. This is exciting stuff, I reckon, even if I don't really understand what I'm talking about. So, so rather than separating ourselves from the material realm, we need to appreciate it more, that's the message. Uh, it's a really important message for our times, isn't it? When we are kind of slowly starting to wake up to the environmental damage our human lifestyles are inflicting on our world. And of course, on all the other beings that we share this planet Earth home with. I mean, writing back in the 19th century, poet Gerard Manley Hopkins, in, the, in that lovely and actually quite complex poem we heard earlier on, Pied Beauty, He's, he's expressing his love of the exuberance of creation, the marvellous variety of all that is. And of course, his was an era where there seemed to be an abundance of natural resources and, and that it was all a bit frightening and needed to be tamed. And now we know we need to protect the skies, the seas, the earth itself from our damaging ways, from our greed, 
from our carelessness. Now we know we can't take life on earth for granted and nor can we evade our responsibilities or not without great costs. And we have scientists aplenty who bring a spiritual awareness to their work and can inspire us with their knowledge. I know quite a few of you do this. I've got a little collection of sayings in a notebook that I turn to from time to time. And two of my favourites come from cosmologists studying the universe. So one was Carl Sagan, who I've still got the hearts for and I wish he hadn't died too young. Because <laughs> back in the 70s he was telling us, we, and he had such a gorgeous voice, and you can still hear him on YouTube, we are star stuff contemplating the stars. We are star stuff and we're contemplating the stars, acknowledging that our bodies are indeed made of the same stuff as all, all that is around us. And a few weeks ago here, um, we used a quotation from cosmologist Brian Swimmer, his description of development of life on Earth. This is for all the musicians and uh, singers here. Four and a half billion years ago, he tells us, the earth was a flaming, molten ball of rock, and now it can sing opera. <laughs> and another of his quotes that I've long appreciated is that you take hydrogen gas, you take hydrogen gas, and you leave it alone, and it turns into rosebuds, giraffes, and humans. <laughs> Now, at the end of today's service, our, our musicians are going to sing my favourite things from the musical, The Sound of Music. Unbearably saccharine sweet, I know, for some of us. But then worth remembering the, the true story it was based on, of a family escaping from a repressive regime that's about to take over their country. The kind of journey that so many people are having to take now in our own times, seeking safety, seeking freedom to be themselves, wanting to choose how to live their own lives. And the song, Favourite Things, is of course about the transformative power of thinking of life's sweeter aspects to help us through the tough times. So do have a think about your favourite things and maybe jot some down in that little space. Um, that you'll find on today's hymn sheet and we're going to make a collection of our favourite things to cheer us all up in case things get worse. David, David read us one of his favourite poems earlier, Tiger by A.D. Hope, and it ends with that powerful line, I too am of that royal race who do what we are born to do. Hmm. What are we born to do? Does that question resonate with you, with our gifts and our limitations, each of us a unique expression of this human species here in our material world, aware of realms beyond our understanding, what are we born to do? To be fully ourselves perhaps? To use our gifts for the greater good of all? How shall we best live these precious lives of ours in this world here now? Well, let's be curious and attentive about life. Let's not take anything for granted anymore, for isn't every blade of grass and touch of hand truly miraculous? Let's be more loving and more appreciative whenever we can. And let's be more respectful of this marvellous matter. Let's treat the animate and the inanimate with greater care 
plants, animals, peoples, buildings, chairs, planets. Let's encourage one another to waken up to this miracle of existence and this remarkable gift of consciousness that we have to be the people who do what we're born to do, to be aware, to be awake, and to be truly alive to the marvellous miracle of matter. Amen. Sarah Moores Campbell writes, we receive fragments of holiness, glimpses of eternity, brief moments of insight. Let us gather them up for the precious gifts that they are and renewed by their grace, move boldly into the unknown. So in the week ahead, let us appreciate life more, let us care for ourselves and others and the world in which we live as the precious gifts we truly are, taking nothing for granted, finding ever more ways to love and be loved. Amen. Go well and blessed be.